Section 38, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Wyckoff. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 38. When it was the two hundred and twenty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the sheikh who met Assad smiled in his face and said to him, O my son, meseemeth thou art a stranger. And Assad replied, Yes, I am a stranger. Then rejoined the old man, Verily thou gladdenest our country with thy presence, O my son, and desolatest thine own land by reason of thine absence. What wantest thou of the market? Quoth Assad, O uncle, I have a brother with whom I have come from a far land, and with whom I have journeyed these three months. And when we sighted this city, I left him, who is my elder brother, upon the mountain, and came hither, purposing to buy victual and what else, and return therewith to him, that we might feed thereon. Said the old man, Rejoice in all good, O my son, and know thou that to-day I give a marriage feast, to which I have bidden many guests, and I have made ready plenty of meats, the best and most delicious that heart can desire. So if thou wilt come with me to my place, I will give thee freely all thou lackest, without asking thee a price or aught else. Moreover, I will teach thee the ways of this city, and praised be Allah, O my son, that I and none other have happened upon thee, as thou wilt, answered Asad. Do as thou art disposed, but make haste, for indeed my brother awaiteth me, and his whole heart is with me. The old man took Asad by the hand, and carried him to a narrow lane, smiling in his face, and saying, Glory be to him who hath delivered thee from the people of this city. And he ceased not walking till he entered a spacious house, wherein was a saloon, and behold, in the middle of it were forty old men, well stricken in years, collected together, and forming a single ring as they sat round about a lighted fire, to which they were doing worship and prostrating themselves. When Asad saw this, he was confounded, and the hair of his body stood on end, though he knew not what they were. And the sheikh said to them, O elders of the fire, how blessed this day! Then he called aloud, saying, Hello, Gasbin! Whereupon there came out to him a tall black slave, of frightful aspect, grim-visaged and flat-nosed as an ape, who when the old man made a sign to him, bent Asad's arms behind his back and pinioned them, after which the sheikh said to him, Let him down into the vault under the earth, and there leave him, and say to my slave-girl such an one, Torture him night and day, and give him a cake of bread to eat morning and evening, against the time come of the voyage to the blue sea in the mountain of fire, whereon we will slaughter him as a sacrifice. 
so the black carried him out at another door and raising a flag in the floor discovered a flight of twenty steps leading to a chamber under the earth into which he descended with him and laying his feet in irons gave him over to the slave girl and went away meanwhile the old men said to one another when the day of the festival of the fire cometh we will sacrifice him on the mountain as a propitiatory offering whereby we shall pleasure the fire presently the damsel went down to him and beat him a grievous beating till streams of blood flowed from his sides and he fainted after which she sat at his head a scone of bread and a cruse of brackish water and went away and left him in the middle of the night he revived and found himself bound and beaten and sore with beating so he wept bitter tears and recalling his former condition of honor and prosperity lordship and dominion and his separation from his sire and his exile from his native land and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the two hundred and twenty-eighth night she said to him it hath reached me o auspicious king that when asad found himself bound and beaten and sore with beating he recalled his whilom condition of honor and prosperity and dominion and lordship and he wept and groaned aloud and recited these couplets stand by the ruined stead and ask of us nor deem we dwell there as was state of us the world that parter hath departed us yet soothes not hateful hearts the fate of us with whips a cursed slave-girl scourges us and teems her breast with rancorous hate of us allah shall haply deign to unpart our lives chastise our foes and end this strait of us and when asad had spoken his poetry he put out his hands towards his head and finding there the crust and the cruse full of brackish water he ate a bit of just enough to keep life in him and drank a little water but could get no sleep till morning for the swarms of bugs and lice as soon as it was day the slave girl came down to him and changed his clothes which were drenched with blood and stuck to him so that his skin came off with the shirt wherefore he shrieked aloud and cried alas and said o oh my god if this is thy pleasure increase it upon me o oh lord verily thou art not unmindful of him that oppresseth me do thou then avenge me upon him and he groaned and repeated the following verses patience o oh allah to thy destiny i bow suffice me what thou dine decree patient to bear thy will o lord of me patient to burn on coals of gaza tree they wrong me visit me with hurt and harm haply thy grace from them shall set me free far be o lord from thee to spare the wronger o lord of destiny my hopes in thee and what another saith bethink thee not of worldly state leave everything to course of fate 
for oft a thing that irketh thee shall in content eventuate, and oft what straight is shall expand, and what expand is wax straight. Allah will do what wills his will, so be not thou importunate. But joy the view of coming weal shall make forget past bale and bait. And when he had ended his verse, the slave girl came down upon him with blows till he fainted again, and throwing him a flap of bread and a guglet of saltish water, went away and left him sad and lonely, bound in chains of iron, with the blood streaming from his sides and far from those he loved. So he wept and called to mind his brother and the honors he erst enjoyed. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and twenty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Asad called to mind his brother and the honors he erst enjoyed. So he wept and groaned and complained and poured forth tears and floods and improvised these couplets. Easy, O oh fate, how long this wrong, this injury, Robbing each morn and eve my brotherhood from me. Is not time now thou deem this length sufficiency Of woes, and, O oh, thou heart of rock, show clemency? My friends thou wrongst when thou matst each enemy. Mock and exult me for thy wrongs, thy tyranny. My foeman's heart is solaced by the things he saw In me of strangerhood and lonely misery. Suffice thee not what came upon my head of dole, Friends lost forevermore, eyes wane and pale of blee, But must in prison cast so narrow there is naught, Save hand to bite with bitten hand for company, And tears that tempest down like goodly gift of cloud, and longing thirst whose fires weet no satiety regretful yearnings singles and unceasing sighs repine remembrance and pain's very ecstasy desire i suffer sore and melancholy deep and i must bide a prey to endless frenesy i find me ne'er a friend who looks with piteous eye and seeks my presence to allay misery Say liveth any intimate with trusty love, Who for mine ills will groan my sleepless malady? To whom moan I can make, and peradventure he Shall pity eyes that sight of sleep can never see? The flea and bug suck up my blood, As white that drinks wine from the proffering hand of fair virginity. Amid the lice my body a remindeth me of orphans good in Cassie's claw of villainy. My home's a sepulchre that measures cubits three, where I pass I mourn and eve in chained agony. My wines are tears, my clank of chains take music's stead, cares my desert of fruit, and sorrows are my bed. And when he had versed his verse and prosed his prose, he again groaned and complained, and remembered he had been and how he had been parted from his brother, thus far concerning him. But as regards his brother Ahmad, he awaited Asad till midday, yet he had not returned to him, 
whereupon Ahmad's vitals fluttered, the pangs of parting were sore upon him, and he poured forth abundant tears. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and thirtieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Ahmad awaited his brother Asad till midday, and he returned not to him, Ahmad's vitals fluttered, the pangs of parting were sore upon him, and he poured forth abundant tears, exclaiming, Alas, my brother, alas, my friend, alas, my grief, how I feared me we should be separated. Then he descended from the mountain top, with the tears running down his cheeks, and entering the city ceased not walking till he made the market. He asked the folk the name of the place and concerning its people, and they said, This is called the city of the Magians, and its citizens are mostly given to fire-worshipping in lieu of the omnipotent king. Then he inquired of the city of Ebony, and they answered, Of a truth it is a year's journey thither by land and six months by sea. It was governed erst by a king called Armanus, but he took the son-in-law and made king in his stead a prince called Kamar al-Zaman, distinguished for justice and munificence, equity and benevolence. When Ahmad heard tell of his father, he groaned and wept and lamented and knew not whither to go. However, he bought a something of food and carried it to a retired spot where he sat down thinking to eat. But, recalling his brother, he fell a-weeping and swallowed but a morsel to keep breath and body together, and that against his will. Then he rose and walked about the city, seeking news of his brother, till he saw a Moslem tailor sitting in his shop, so he sat down by him and told him his story. Whereupon quoth the tailor, If he have fallen into the hands of the Magians, thou shalt hardly see him again, yet it may be Allah will reunite you twain. But thou, O my brother, he continued, wilt thou lodge with me? Ahmad answered, Yes, and the tailor rejoiced at this. So he abode with him many days, what while the tailor comforted him, and exhorted him to patience, and taught him tailoring, till he became expert in the craft. Now one day he went forth to the seashore and washed his clothes, after which he entered the bath and put on clean raiment. Then he walked about the city to divert himself with its sights, and presently there met him on the way a woman of passing beauty and loveliness, without peer for grace and comeliness. When she saw him, she raised her face veil, and signed to him by moving her eyebrows and her eyes with luring glances, and versified these couplets. I drooped my glance when seen thee on the way, as thou, O slim waist, felled by Saul's hot ray. Thou art the fairest fair that e'er appeared, fairer to-day than fairer of yesterday, where beauty parted a fifth part of it, with Joseph or a part of fifth would stay, the rest would fly to thee, shine on a stone, be every soul thy sacrifice, I pray.
when Amad heard these her words, they gladdened his heart, which inclined to her, and his bowels yearned towards her, and the hands of love sported with him. So he sighed to her in reply, and spoke these couplets. Above the rose of cheek is thorn of lance. Who dareth pluck it, rashest chevance? Stretch not thy hand towards it for night long. Those lances marred because we snatched a glance. Say her who tyrant is and temper too, though justice might her tempting power enhance. Thy face would add to errors were it veiled. Unveiled I see its guard hath best of chance. I cannot look upon Saul's naked face, but can when mist cloud dims his countenance. The honey hive is held by honey bee. Ask the tribe guards what wants their vigilance, and they would slay me, let them in their ire, rancorous, and grant us freely to advance. They're not more murderous, and charge the whole, than charging glance of her who wears the mole. And hearing these lines from Ahmad, she sighed with the deepest sighs, and signed to him again, repeated these couplets. Tis thou hast trodden coyness path, not I. Grant me thy favors, for the time draws nigh. O thou who makest morn with light of brow, And with loosed brow locks night in lift to sty, Thine idle aspect made of me thy slave, Tempting as temptest me in days gone by. Tis just my liver fry with hottest love, Who worship fire, for God must fire abide. Thou sellest like of me for worthless price. If thou must sell, ask high of those who buy. When Ahmad heard these her words, he said to her, Will thou come to my lodging, or shall I go with thee to thine? So she hung her head in shame to the ground, and repeated the words of him whose name be exalted. Men shall have the preeminence above women because of those advantages wherein Allah hath caused the one of them to excel the other. Upon this Ahmad took the hint, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and thirty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Ahmad took the woman's hint, and understood that she wished to go with him whither he was going. He felt himself bounder to find a place wherein to receive her, but was ashamed to carry her to the house of his host, the tailor. So he walked on, and she walked after him, and the two ceased not walking from street to street and place to place, till she was tired, and said to him, O oh, my lord, where is thy house? answered he before us a little way then he turned aside into a handsome by-street followed by the young woman and walked on till he came to the end when he found it was no thoroughfare and exclaimed there is no majesty and there is no might save in allah the glorious the great then raising his eyes he saw at the upper end of the lane a great door with two stone benches, but it was locked. So Ahmad sat down on one of the benches, and she on the other, 
And she said to him, O my lord, wherefore waitest thou? He bowed his head a while to the ground, and then raised it and answered, I am awaiting my Mameluke who hath the key, for I bade him make me ready meat and drink and flowers to deck the wine service against my return from the bath. But he said to himself, Haply the time will be tedious to her, and she will go about her business, leaving me here when I will wend my own way. However, as soon as she was weary of the long waiting, she said, O my lord, thy Mameluke delayeth, and here we are sitting in the street. And she arose and took a stone and went up to the lock. Said Ahmad, Be not in haste, but have patience till the servant come home. However, she hearkened not to him, but smote the wooden bolt with the stone and broke it in half, whereupon the door opened. Quoth he, What possessed thee to do this deed? Quoth she, Poo-poo, my lord, what matter it? Is not the house thy house and thy place? He said there was no need to break the bolt. Then the damsel entered to the confusion of Ahmad, who knew not what to do for fear of the people of the house. But she said to him, Why dost thou not enter, O light of mine eyes and core of my heart? Replied he, I hear and obey, but my servant tarrieth long, and I know not if he have done aught of what I bade him, and specially enjoined upon him or not. Hereupon he entered, sore in fear of the people of the house, and found himself in a handsome saloon with four dazed recesses, each facing each other, and containing closets and raised seats, all bespread with stuffs of silk and brocade, and in the midst was a jetting fountain of costly fashion, on whose margin rested a covered tray of meats, with a leather tablecloth hanging up, and gem-encrusted dishes, full of fruits and sweet-scented flowers. Hard by stood drinking vessels and a candlestick with a single wax candle therein, and the place was full of precious stuffs, and was ranged with chests and stools, and on each seat lay a parcel of clothes, upon which was a purse full of monies, gold and silver. The floor was paved with marble, and the house bore witness in every part to its owner's fortune. When Ahmad saw all this, he was confused at his case, and said to himself, I am a lost man. Verily we are Allah's, and to Allah we are returning. As for the damsel, when she sighted the place, she rejoiced indeed with a joy nothing could exceed, and said to him, by Allah, O my lord, thy servant hath not failed of his duty, for see, he hath swept the place, and cooked the meat, and set on the fruit, and indeed I come at the best of times. But he paid no heed to her, his heart being taken up with fear of the housefolk, and she said, Fie, O my lord, O my heart, what aileth thee to stand thus? Then she sighed, and, giving him a bus, which sounded like the cracking of a walnut, said, O my lord, and thou have made an appointment with other than thee, I will gird my middle and serve her in thee. Ahmad laughed from a heart full of rage and wrath, and came forwards and sat down, 
panting and saying to himself, Alack, mine ill death and doom when the owner of the place shall return. Then she seated herself by him and fell to toying and laughing, whilst Amad sat careful and frowning, thinking a thousand thoughts and communing with himself. Assuredly the master of the house cannot but come, and then what shall I say to him? He needs must kill me, and my life will be lost thus foolishly. Presently she rose, and, tucking up her sleeves, took a tray of food on which she laid the cloth, and then set it before Ahmad, and began to eat, saying, Eat, O oh my lord. So he came forward and ate, but the food was not pleasant to him. On the contrary, he ceased not to look towards the door, till the damsel had eaten her fill, when she took away the tray of the meats, and, setting on the dessert, fell to eating of the dried fruits. Then she brought the wine service, and, opening the jar, filled a cup and handed it to Ahmad, who took it from her hand, saying to himself, Ah, ah, and well away, when the master of the house cometh and seeth me. And he kept his eyes fixed on the threshold, even with the cup in hand. While he was in this case, lo, in came the master of the house, who was a white slave, one of the chief men of the city, being master of the horse to the king. He had fitted up this saloon for his pleasures, that he might make merry therein, and be private with whom he would. And he had that day bidden a youth whom he loved, and had made this entertainment for him. Now the name of this slave was Bahadur, and he was open of hand, generous, munificent, and fain of almsgiving and charitable works. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 38 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3 Recording by D. Wyckoff